You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, everyone. I am Martina Cunha, and you're listening to Backstage Talk. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Backstage Talk Season 4. Today, I am honored and happy to have my friend, Dr. Elisa Hurwitz, here with me. I, as many of my friends, met her through Twitter because we started discussing musicals, mental health, um, a lot of this discourse and conversation around how art can impulse and enhance mental health, not only in performers, but also in the audience. But also Dr. Elisa is a really big fighter for LGBTQIA plus rights, specifically trans rights. Um, And I had the pleasure of seeing her in two incredible panels on BroadwayCon 2022. So Dr. Aliza, I am so happy to have you here. Welcome to Backstage Talk. No, oh, thank you so much for having me. I just love that you exist <laughs> in my, in the world it. and in my in my, you know, in my sphere um and I, and I can call you a friend. Um you 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 bring joy and love um, to the world, and I really, uh, I really appreciate that. And you know, I love you back so much. <laughs> so let's start by getting to know you a little bit. Tell us, introduce yourself to us. Yeah. So um, I am, I am uh, a uh, mom, daughter, sister, aunt, friend. Um, uh, cousin, <laughs> um, and uh, I, you know, outside of my professional life, I am uh, an ad- an advocate for um, rescue pit bulls, uh, much maligned and misunderstood um, collection of breeds of, of dogs and mixes, and and um, and have uh, have a, a pity mix Louie. He's our second um, uh, pit bull mix. Um, great family dogs. Um, and those are, you know, aspects of my, and a, and a theater lover. Those are aspects of my life that are uh, more important to me than my work life <clears throat> or my work identity, my, my career identity. Um, but I am, yeah, by trade, um, a psychologist and um, I am, I do work as a generalist. So, you know, depression, anxiety, um, mood disorder, other mood disorders, that kind of thing. But my specialty is um, providing uh, gender affirming health care. Uh, for the trans community, and um, I am passionate about uh, about that work and about the adv- advocacy both within the workplace and outside of the workplace, um, because trans rights are human rights. Yes. Um, and as a Jewish person, um, when I say never again, when we say never again, we mean never again to anybody. And uh, there are uh, uh, attacks on the trans community and trans rights um, currently in in our country in, in the United States. And uh, I just can't sit idly by and not do something about it. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it, the way that we have connected uh, is through my work in theater, which is really a passion project um, because I love, I just, I love theater. I love, I love, 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 love theater. <laughs> and um, my role was never to be on the stage, um, uh, but I felt called to it. And, and, and it really, you know, 
uh, was just as somebody who loves the art form and, and an audience member. <clears throat> but I realized a few, several years, maybe five years ago now, um, that, you know, I could bring my professional knowledge, um, you know, to, to the theater world and talk about mental health in a way that brought people into the conversation, you know, through performing arts, through theater, um, because I think those conversations matter and I think destigmatizing matter and normalizing conversations about mental health. And uh, so that's how Dr. Drama um, was born. <laughs> I absolutely love it. And that is, as you just said, how we connected. Um, because the conversation around mental health specifically since 2018 yeah. to until today has been more prominent. And I, as a performer and as an avid audience member, I do think that each time we talk about mental health in the stage, either a play, a musical, a movie, a series, um, when done right, mm -hmm. can do a lot, a lot of beneficial things for the audience and also the performers. Um, and I remember when I started following you, that was the, like the whole conversation that brought me to you. Mm -hmm. And I just loved it. But before we dive into that, I would love for you to tell us what is a random fun fact about you? <laughs> um, I think I, I think I, I think I, I shared my hand a little early. I think a random fun fact about me is that I am um, I am, you know, a mom. Uh, by day and a psychologist and have a serious job and all that thing. And I'm a, and I am, and I am also a pit bull loving tattooed person. Um, and, you know, uh, um, I was very straight laced growing up. And so I kind of like, not that having a pit bull is rebellious, but it's just, you know, people have certain associations with it, um, you know, and with tattoos. And um, I kind of like, I kind of feel like a, a superhero because my tattoo, they're for me, you know, and so they're really meaningful for me and I kind of feel like it's the cape under my suit, you know? Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, and I, and I, yeah, so I'm a pit bull loving tattooed woman. I love it. <laughs> I absolutely love it. So now let's dive deep into this relationship that you've created between psychology and theater, because it's broad. It's not only Broadway or musical theater, obviously we connected because of musical theater, but, yeah. um, what was that aha moment that you said, I want to bridge these mm. two passions of mine? Yeah, it was really an epiphany. You know, um, I, I am not, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to like minimize what I do or contribute or whatever, but I'm not a creative person. Like I'm not, I'm not an actor. I am not a writer, uh, you know, a playwright. I am not a director. Um, and, and so I can only imagine like this, like art, creating art feels like this a lot. It just was an epiphany. It just came to me and I had nothing to do with it <laughs> in a way. Uh, it like felt like it came outside to me. Um, and part, part of it was because I was feeling a little stale in my, in my work. I was in another job and I just kind of, I was feeling stale and unchallenged and kind of in mid-career mode where um, the stuff I was doing wasn't going to change the work I was doing. And, and I, and I didn't feel as inspired by kind of the, um, the learning curve because it just wasn't the same anymore. Um, and it just came to me. It came to me 
from like I said, from outside of me. And it really was like a lightning strike um, and a moment of inspiration. And, um, you know, because I'm doing this as an offering and, and because I'm passionate about it, I've, it's really allowed it to be whatever it's meant to be. And so it's, it's, you know, it's kind of evolved in different ways. You know, at first it was a lot of, um, you know, uh, uh, print um, interviews with folks um, and, uh, you know, and evolved into, um, to doing more stuff live, like talkbacks um, and, and uh, consulting with um, theater productions on mental health elements. And then, you know, over the pandemic, another inspiration was doing an, an Instagram live series about musicals and mental health that lasted for just about a year. Um, I, I only stopped doing it cause I went back to the office and I kind of didn't have the bandwidth um, time-wise. Um, but that, you know, that, that's just what it needed to be in that, in that, and during that time and um, has, you know, has gone into, you know, doing, doing panels at Broadway con and at other, um, you know, other live events and teaching, um, and, uh, and, and, you know, who knows what it'll be in the, in the future, but, um, it, uh, it's been, when I let it be what it was supposed to be, it was, it, it kind of was a lot more, uh, uh, felt more, it felt right. It felt right. You know, um, so it literally was like a strike of lightning. It was the inspiration. I love it. I love it. So now let's double click on mental health yeah. in musical theater or performing arts or the, the whole performing arts industry. So how are you like linking both of them? How have you seen that shows specifically have done it right, have done it wrong? Yeah. Um, how can we as audience members, but also as part of the creative teams can support this endeavor of always trying to do it better with such a sensitive topic as mental health. Yeah. Oh, that's a, it's a big, a big question. Um, you know, and I think in a way to kind of answer the first part, I think in a way that every musical is about mental health. I think that um, the same things that interest me about psychology are the same things that interest me about about musicals and, and plays too, although musicals are just more my thing. Um, uh, you know, that's 95% of the time what I'm going to see is, is a musical and about 5% of the time plays. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's about understanding human behavior and about expression of our internal lives, right? So in mental health, our, you know, the expression of our, our internal lives are, is talking, um, and it can be art therapy, but it, you know, it, it's really, yeah, I'm talking about talking, um, talk therapy and, um, and, you know, in musical theater, it is through dialogue and dance and movement and song, um, and lighting, um, and costume. And to me, it's all, it's all the same. It's all, you know, understanding human relationships, understanding human behavior, understanding expression of our, of our internal lives, um, so, you know, I, so, you know, for me, the showboat, you know, arguably the first music, American musical mm -hmm. is a mental health musical, um, just as much as, you know, next to normal, um, next to normal is more content, you know, kind of has more of the content, so to speak, uh, mental health content, but they're both about understanding human behavior and they're both about people's inner lives. Um, and, you know, I think that there are, 
um, you know, there are musicals like Next to Normal that are really that are really content wise about, uh, you know, about mental health topics uh, <clears throat> uh, or, you know, other shows like uh, Dear Evan Hansen. Um, there are some shows that I that are I, I'm aware of that are in development that are really I, I hope they get to see a wider audience because they really are um, very spot on about that topic as well. And I think when the content is clearly about mental health, it really engenders the conversation um, more organically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I think you know every Sondheim musical, gosh, you could dig in and never get to the bottom, right? And talking about psychology. Um, uh, you know, he was, uh, Sondheim was, a, a, you know, as, as much as he, I mean, he co-authored, right, these these works with many other creators, but as much, you know, as, as he had a, a voice in, in, in certainly in the lyrics and the music, um, he, he was an astute observer of human behavior. Um, and I forget what your, uh, there was like a third element to that question. How can we support as creatives this approach to mental health mm. topics in musical theater to do it right. Ah, I mean, ideally, you know, ideally consulting with an expert um, because there are, well, you know, while I, I will say over and over and over again that musicals are not meant to be documentaries. And so I think it's unreasonable to expect them to be as such or, you know, or, or flyers for, you know, for psychology and mental health, so to speak. Um, I do think that there are responsible and irresponsible things that that shows can do with um, with their content. So, for example, you know, um, a show like uh, Dear Evan Hansen, um, you know, very thoughtfully, you know, uh, did not put there is there is a suicide in the show. Not a spoiler alert because it happens pretty early on, um, and they 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 don't put this any of that on stage, which is really important because it, it, it does appeal to a, you know, there's a lot of young people who watch that show and suicidality can be contagious um, mm-hmm. to already vulnerable adolescents. Um, and that says to me, they, oh, they consulted with a psychologist, um, you know, to be responsible with, with what they were presenting um, so that they were not causing harm. Now, I know there are criticisms of that show about way uh, a specific way in which it caused harm in making the protagonist somebody who was who some people experience as lying and manipulative um you know and I, I don't think that was the author's intention for that character to be considered that way but i know some people read it that way and so there's there's a you know there's a conversation there about that but i know that you know in terms of how they handled uh you know the suicide in the show it was done um it was done thoughtfully and, and obviously with, to me with, uh, with consultation, it, not with me, but like seeing that I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. Yep. They, they had input. Yeah. They had an expert on their side. I think that this happened also with next to normal, which is, as you said earlier, a show that this topics about mental health are at the forefront, right? It's like, this is the main topic of different, um, situations around mental health with different characters and yeah. i think that next to normal did it beautifully yeah. um, in a very raw way that for me personally touched very deep fibers of my own story and mm. and i i know it's for me when i talk about mental health and musical theater i instantaneously think about next to normal 
and how they did it wisely, safely, and in a very true way, not trying to go into the, the archetype or the stereotype of mental health issues on people or, or the conversation around it. Yeah. And so, yeah, I just love that the way that we can help is always going back to an expert and asking them and not being afraid of trying to push that conversation a little bit harder in the shows that we're working. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, um, inviting ways for people to continue the conversation is, um, is really important and healthy. Um, you know, so whether that's including resources that are relevant to, uh, to the show at hand, um, uh, you know, to the content at hand, to, you know, to hosting talkbacks, um, to, um, you know, to having, you know, online content that kind of gets, provides more information and gets people thinking, uh, mm-hmm. you know, is always, because people, you know, people want to talk, especially, you know, I've seen a, a shift in, in, you know, the public discourse about mental health since the pandemic, I think, especially. Um, and, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. We got to talk about it. As equals, as human rights, human rights, trans rights, LGBTQIA plus rights, and this conversation that has also been a huge discussing topic um, on Broadway. Yes. Yes, it has. Um, the issue of representation and who's, who's authoring that representation, right? Because it's not just about having black bodies or trans bodies um, or lesbian bodies um, on, on the stage, who, who's, who is literally, who, who, who's telling the story, who writes mm-hmm. the story. Um, uh, and, and that, that matters as well. You know, I think about, um, uh, there's an actor in the revival of 1776, which is a show that is, that has all, all the cast is marginalized genders. Um, and, one of the cast members um, who is non-binary, SAV, I hope I'm saying their name right, it's S-A-V, they, um, they, they uh, you know, advocated for um, change where, you know, they were experiencing getting misgendered a lot um, at the stage door and, and by theater patrons and um, uh, advocated for the roundabout to uh, support uh, uh, having, you know, the kind of the the resources necessary to have an insert um, mm-hmm. and, and online resources about gender identity and pronouns. Um, now, I think it'd be great if as trans allies that we could be doing more of the work because um, it shouldn't be on the, on the, you know, uh, so, so much on the shoulders of people who are trans and non-binary. Um, uh, so, you know, I don't want to imply that, you know, that, that, uh, that, you know, trans and non-binary folks need to, be doing it alone. We, we need to be doing it with them and, uh, alongside of them. But, uh, I just thought that was so cool, um, because people will learn and understand more because, you know, because that information is there. Yes, absolutely. So Dr. Elisa, what piece of advice would you give someone that is either studying or working in psychology, but wants to move into the entertainment industry? I think I would give them the same advice that I would give somebody who is studying psychology and wants to uh, move into working in psychology. Self-care. 
self-care, self-care, self-care. And self-care includes healthy boundaries. And it's so hard when you're starting out in a career, and I think especially in the entertainment industry, because of the narratives that are told about it, the show must go on. You know, you're lucky. You're, you're, you, you know, you should be thanking your lucky stars. You have this opportunity. There are, you know, 10 people behind you who will gladly take your spot or whatever, a hundred people, um, which all creates this unhealthy balance, imbalance of power, um, which uh, uh, supports people um, or encourages people to tolerate abuses of power or tolerate um, boundary crossing or tolerate, um, you know, uh, being overworked. Um, And it, you know, that is so hard. I think, again, especially in the entertainment industry where people are like, you know, the narrative is you are so lucky to be here. You're so lucky to have this opportunity. Um, And so self-care, it's, you know, knowing what you are willing you know, to work with and what you're not, um, trusting your gut, um, refueling your tank, knowing what refuels your tank and, and, and engaging in that, um, the basics, you know, uh, going back down to basics of hydration, rest, um, know that if you are more refueled by spending time with other people or spending time with yourself and, and making sure you have time for that self-care. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's so important in this industry to set those healthy boundaries. Mm-hmm. It's mind-blowing to do it. Yeah. Um, and, and you're not always going to be supported. The industry is not always going to support that. I think about, oh, uh, Amber Gray, right? Um, she was playing Persephone in Town, the original Broadway cast of Town, And she had a baby and she, she asked, you know, to do six shows a week instead of eight. Um, to so that she could have three days off, so she could spend time with her kids. I think she already had another kid, and and then she had a baby during the run, her run. And they supported it, maybe not incidentally or coincidentally, I should say. Uh, it's it's more of a female led creative team mm-hmm. in an industry that is you know like a lot of industries has been mostly male led, um, so and white. Um, so I think that really makes a difference, you know, in them you know, supporting that request, but, you know, that was a boundary for her, um, you know, and needing that time with her young family. Um, and, um, they, you know, a show could say no and that, you know, and if that's your boundary, then, then, you know, that's, then that's your boundary. And and if you, that means you have to step away, um, it's better for you to be well as a human than used up as a commodity. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Dr. Alisa, last question. Which are your top five favorite musical theater shows? My, my top five uh, musical theater shows, like period? Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, oh, I love this question. Um, and of course, right, it kind of changed. There are some that are always in there and then, then it changes, you know, it changes like week to week. Yeah. Um, as uh, complicated as it is, Carousel is uh, is in my top. Um, that score moves me in a way that no, that just, it's that score. Oh, that score. Um, you know, and the criticism is that, you know, that, you know, it's making Billy Bigelow the protagonist, you know, when he's 
an abuser. He's abusive. I don't think the show is saying that's okay in any sort of way. I think it's very clearly like, whoa, he has amends to make. And and it's it's a tragedy because he hurts her. Oh, and then the criticism right is that she forgives him. Um, but I don't think that the narrative of the show is forgiving him. Um, I think I you know I think it's it's saying whoa he has amends to make and he and what a tragedy he did not make those amends and change while he was here on Earth. Yeah. Um, and it's too late now. I think that's what the narrative. I, that's that's my anyway. That score. Whoa, that score. Um, I think, you know, uh, a newer show, but certainly I think is a work of staggering genius is Hamilton. Um, that, you know, that I know it's kind of cool to like now be like, oh, I don't like Hamilton, but I'm uncool. And I just love him. I think it's incredible and layered and brilliant. Um, Chicago is up there for me. Uh, I think that the, the, what was it? 96 revival. I might be getting the year wrong. Um, you know, that's still on Broadway um, and saw it again recently. And it's just as brilliant um, is, is uh, I love that it's pared down. Cause it's like everything that is every, every movement, you know, that, 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 those Fosse, that Fosse choreography, every bit of movement, every shoulder move, every wrist, you know, uh, turn, turn of the wrist, every costume thread in the costume, is necessary and there's nothing extraneous and it is so in, in insightful and, and it's such a scathing criticism of uh, celebrity culture. Um, I just think it's, it's, it's so great. Um, and then my rotating last two spots, oh my gosh. I mean, I would say currently, um, I don't know so many, I mean, what comes to mind is in the Heights. Um, uh, and, um, and once on this Island, Oh, I forgot ragtime. Sorry, in the Heights has to get booted. Ragtime. Um, I think I don't think I'll ever see anything as as perfect as the original Broadway cast of of that show. Um, yeah, I'm getting lost in thinking about the opening number. And then once on this island, um, and that's you know, I love I love uh, I love those composers. Um, they they get me every time. To sorry, and um, why am I blinking on his name? Oh, forgive me. I'm totally blanking on his name. Um, but, uh, I, I, once on this Island, um, I, especially this recent revival, I found incredibly, incredibly moving and, um, perfection and visceral and, um, changed the DNA of my heart. Um, and, uh, and I, any of those, you know, there's, there's, there's criticisms of that piece as well uh, that are, that are, you know, that are, legitimate criticisms um i also just have had an emotional experience with that show that i am really grateful for um so those i would say were my top five uh carousel hamilton chicago ragtime and once on this island love it love them love them dr alisa thank you so much for joining us this has been incredible um and yeah from the bottom of my heart, you know I love you and thank you so much for coming and sharing your thoughts. Thank you for having me. I love you too, Martine. Thanks everyone for listening to this new episode of Backstage Talk. Remember to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Backstage Talk Podcast.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.